Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main web address, and ClarkDeals.com, that's where you go to save money each and every day. Coming up in a few minutes, in today's Clark Rageous Moment, there is a new underhanded, rotten, terrible practice that is spreading among hospitals, taking advantage financially of people that are ill or wounded in the midst of getting treatment, often in a hospital emergency room. I'm going to tell you what this crooked, rotten, terrible practice is so that you know how to protect yourself and your wallet. And later yet, new stats out about what it costs to raise a child from age zero from birth to age 18, and the number is pretty scary. So right now, I want to talk about something that is sneaking up on us so quickly, but unfortunately not quickly enough. You know, the number of people dying on our roads has been skyrocketing lately, The number of accidents, enormous increase, injury rates up, 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 and the reason for for that unfortunate trifecta, smartphones. I think about how often I'm on the road and you see a car weaving around you and you look over and you have about a 99.99% chance It's because they're looking at their phones. People cannot take their eyes off their phones. And whatever beep or vibrate or whatever the phone does, we're like trained like a trained animal that we immediately have to stop whatever we're doing, including looking at what is happening on the roads to look at our phones. And the consequences have been deadly. It's terrible. And this human behavior isn't going to change because that addiction is so strong. I mean, I I told you years ago, you may not have heard me describe this story, but I almost hit a pedestrian looking at my phone, and thank goodness I didn't, but I learned an important lesson from that. And if I'm ever tempted to look at my phone while I'm driving, I throw it in the back seat. And that's my condition response. But the great news is we are on the verge of not having to worry about it anymore. In fact, being just fine to look at your phone, to text, to watch a movie or whatever. And that's because we are so close now to fully autonomous transportation where you get in a vehicle and either tell it where you want to go or you punch in on a screen where you want to go, and the vehicle will drive you. Waymo, which is a division of the parent company of Google called Alphabet, has a fleet of fully autonomous vans operating on the roads in Arizona. And the success of those vans is extraordinary they buy a fleet of vans from chrysler equip them with the autonomous driving technology and then 
the vehicles operate as an on-demand thing. Well, California, and that's because Arizona had passed laws that were favorable to autonomous driving vehicles and even experimentation, learning how to make them, which makes some people nervous. But California has now followed Arizona and now autonomous vehicles, it's silly, but in California, autonomous vehicles, as in most states, have to have a driver sitting in the driver's seat even though the driver does nothing. And now California says, you want to run an autonomous vehicle and not have a driver? Go for it. Now, I I remember three years ago when I did a TV story about the, uh, the autopilot on Tesla that all my stories on TV are checked out by a lawyer first before they air. And the lawyer freaked out about the story and was unwilling to accept the possibility that this could really be okay and that I, that the story was potentially irresponsible, that I was saying, yeah, watch this, and you click on the Tesla, two clicks, and the car on the freeway just drives itself, just for traffic, the whole thing. This was three years ago. And so I said to my producer, I said, why don't you just tell the lawyer to come and I'll take him around in the car and let him let the car drive him. And the lawyer turned that down, but let me air the story. But for us mentally, it's hard to get our arms around the change that's coming. But do you know we right now are probably somewhere around 15 to 20 months from the first vehicles being available that you can buy that will provide autonomous driving. Not that are being run by a third party like Waymo, but you will be able to buy them. But in the meantime, so many new safety features are appearing in cars that make the vehicle so much safer on the road, the automatic emergency braking, the lane departure systems, the automatic adjustment of speed, keeping up with the flow of traffic, the uh, total blind spot warning systems that prevent you from changing into a lane where the, the car realizes, the AI in the car realizes you're going to create an accident if you change lanes. These things, after you use them for a while, you're not frightened by them. In fact, you are glad they're there, but they're just a way station on the way to where we're headed in the immediate future with a significant reduction in the number of accidents, a massive reduction in the number of injuries or fatalities on the road, and that can't come soon enough. Ken is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Ken. Hi, Clark. How are you? Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely, Ken. You have a question for me that no one ever asks me anymore. It's funny because I've been on the air 31 years. And the question you're going to ask me was a very common question a generation ago and one that virtually never comes up now. Right. So, so Clark, my my son's a college student. He's 20, which makes him an adult. And he uh, has some college loan debt. And I thought to myself, if he should come to an untimely demise, I will have, as the co-signer of those loans, the difficulty of paying those loans out of pocket 
and um, and just thinking about, you know, how do I take care of my own family if I have this new burden on me? So I don't know the ins and outs of buying insurance for another family member who happens to be an adult. How does that work? All right. So first of all, it, it's terrible to think about the possibility of your son dying young. But we have to be prepared for even the most remote possibilities and your idea is what's known as insurable need. There's a clear insurable need. Because as the co-signer, you remain responsible on those loans in the event of his early passing. And that's all you have to explain in order to be able to buy an insurance policy. How long do you think these loans will be outstanding, Ken? 10, 20, 30 years? Uh, I... I don't think that long. He's he's had the ability to get some scholarship. Uh, I enrolled him in a 529 program when he was an infant, and so and, and on top of that, he's majoring in um, aerospace engineering, which he'd probably get a nice job from. And so I I wouldn't say no more than ten years. So you could buy an ultra inexpensive ten year level term insurance policy. And so the 10-year term would cover a decade of time that you, that you would expect that he would extinguish the loans. The premiums, because you're insuring a very young person's life for 10 years where the actuarial tables are say that it's very unlikely that he would pass away, the premiums would be teensy tiny. Mm-hmm. And... So you can buy these policies right over the internet now. There are plenty of policies now you can buy without even having to go through medical underwriting. You know, mm-hmm. no uh, medical exam. Mm-hmm. And Perfect. so that that would be a very simple, inexpensive purchase. Good. Okay. So the insurable need is only for the amount of, if you think about the loans, the loans plus interest. Um, so uh, you come up with an amount based on an approximation of how much those loans would be for, and you would best be in a position where you own the policy with your son as the named insured. Got it. And so on Clark.com, I've got information on companies that now will issue those policies in seconds without having to wait the 30 to 60 days for the medical exam stuff. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Right, great. That's good news. So the thing that, that the situation you described, Ken, is an unusual one about the, the co-signing on student loans, but there are so many different situations why someone should have life insurance, and I'm telling you, nobody buys this stuff anymore, and it's leaving a lot of people exposed. Dan is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Dan. Hey, Clark. It's good to talk to you. Well, great to have you here, and you have a question for me about your house. Yes. I've been looking into um, for a home warranty for uh, replacement or repair of appliances that might go out. I had a friend who um, had it, had one, and it seemed to work well for her. But when I went to explain it to my wife, she said, ah, it sounds a little too good to be true. I don't know if you can trust it. And I said, I don't know either. So as always, your wife is right. My wife is right? Yeah, always. 
and in this oh. case is no exception. <laughs> home warranties are a marketing product. Occasionally they'll work out well for somebody, but they're the exception to the rule. You'll usually pay somewhere $500, $600 for one of these things. Mm-hmm. And if you were to put that money into your own emergency fund, it would be a much better choice than buying one of these what I call used home warranties. Okay. The well, companies emergency fund. Go yeah, ahead. the companies that sell these things, what you need to know, Dan, is there's a lot of expenses involved with selling them, commissions involved, and all the rest. Very little money is there to pay for the actual uh, repairs that you might need at your home, and the math works so favorably for them. I mean, when you think about uh, appliances and major mechanicals in your house, things do break from time to time, but it's not like, unless you're just the most unlucky person on earth, that something's always breaking on you. Well, actually, I had a uh, central air conditioning unit that almost went out last year. We got it repaired and working enough to get us through the rest of the the season, but... And you I'm just assuming. named the item that triggers people's, people's decision to buy these warranties. But if you think about over a decade, you're talking about spending five to $6,000 on one of these things. Right. And unless money is ultra-tight in your life, you're best off just saying yes, dear, to your wife and knowing that money put aside in your own emergency fund is a better choice than laying out those premium dollars because if you do buy one of these third-party warranties, the tight restrictions they put on you on who can repair, how long you have to wait for that, and all the rest is just not worth it. It's time for today's Clark Rageous Moment, and you're just not going to believe what you're going to hear from me right now. Scams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a Clark Rageous moment. According to an investigation by CNN, somewhere close to 20% of hospitals in the country have entered into deals with banks where they approach people in hospital emergency rooms who are very vulnerable on a gurney, under sedation, um, maybe dealing with wounds of some kind from a car wreck or whatever, and a commissioned salesperson for the bank is allowed in to the emergency room, into the uh, examination or treatment room you're in, and interfering with your medical care, tries to get you to sign a form for a bank loan for whatever amount of money your own insurance, if you have insurance, does not cover of your hospital visit. Now, you talk about a complete lack of ethics. You expect that from the banks. And I know the hospitals face a terrible, terrible problem with what's known as uncompensated care, where a hospital will treat someone and someone just can't or doesn't pay the bill and that's a reality and that's a problem we haven't come up with a workable solution for in the united states and for some reason people consider money owed to a doctor or a lab or a hospital as just not very important compared to other bills 
and that mentality is wrong. But as my late father used to say, two wrongs don't make a right. And hospitals doing these deals with aggressive salespeople from banks coming in while people may be barely conscious and saying, sign here on documents they don't even know what they're signing and documents that then obligate you to a bank loan of an undetermined amount, depending on what your care ends up costing, that is uncalled for, unacceptable, and atrocious. And you just got to be aware when you're asked to sign something as a family member or whatever, know what you're signing before you sign it. Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show where you're empowered with knowledge so that you can save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our main website. And, you know, you can follow me at Facebook.com slash Clark Howard. New report out. Much like other depressing ones in recent years, just released from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, says it will cost you just a hair under a quarter million dollars to raise a newborn born this year to age 18. And you hear a number like that and you think, I can't afford to have a child. And a lot of people make an economic choice like that. And you may have a circumstance that would say that, but, you know, I'm cheap guy. But I will tell you that my children are priceless. And something I've, I don't know if I've ever mentioned, I never had any interest in having children. And now I have three. And I realized how much I would have missed in my life, how much joy that they have brought me. And kids bring you, let's face it, they bring you heartache too. But having those three children has been like the greatest thing. And so when these things come out, particularly if you're like on the bubble, thinking, well, how in the world could I ever have a child? If it's going to cost me quarter million for getting even education beyond age 18, college, trade school, or whatever, I just can't do this thing. But the reality is, when you have kids, your priorities change in your life, what's important to you, what you do, and things you have done And things you spent money on, you don't anymore. You know, people who are single in their 20s or 30s, you may spend a lot of time out doing things, going to hear bands, going out on the town, whatever. And you have kids and doing something with other people, well, That's just not as exciting as being with your own kids at home, watching some movie like Frozen for the thousandth time. Thank goodness my girls were aged out of that stuff 
by the time Frozen came out. I have never, ever been tortured having to watch that. Wow, I was lucky. But anyway, things change in terms of where your priorities are and you figure out how to get it done. So take it from me that kids are not cheap. It's just true that they're not. But that's not a reason to not do what your heart tells you to do if that's what you're thinking of having a child. I mean, I think about you, Joel, at 34 years old. Happy birthday. Oh, thank you. Birthday was just uh, Saturday? Yes, I think so. I forget. I'm getting old. And you told me when I texted you happy birthday and I asked you what you were doing what you answered back that you were doing something with your two girls yeah so I got a chance to hang out with some buddies that morning and then hung out, hung out with my family that night and I mean there's not really any better way to spend the day got to play outside and um, then hang out with my fam that's the best and before you had kids the best was going to some micro brewery that had some kind of uh, I don't know what kind of beer you drink. <laughs> it's still close to the best. That's up there. But just underneath hanging out with the girls. So the best would be if you started having your preschoolers drink beer along with you at these places, huh? <laughs> then you'd have your two worlds intersect. Might have some legal battles if I, if I started doing that. You just have to move to another country where... Yeah, exactly. There's no laws <laughs> about kids drinking. But all kidding aside, I mean... I don't care how many headlines there are about how expensive kids are. Don't let those scare you away from doing one of the greatest things you can have in your life, which is to have a child in your life. And yes, they do learn to talk back at a certain age. Think about what you did to your parents and when you started talking back. Janae is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi. Hi. Thanks for taking the call. Absolutely. You are a fellow entrepreneur. Yes. Yes. Fairly newly, um, and I'm still pretty small, but I'm looking for the best payment processor for out-of-state clients and to get away from using physical checks. So um, when people pay you, are they? how are they actually um paying you typically do you take credit cards um actually customarily i'm paid in retainers um usually about 50 percent of a bill up front and that usually has been coming traditionally in checks so um i've been getting you know checks with all of their bank account information in the mail and it's a little bit outdated so the security and um technology are um the biggest concerns for me so you with your bank can they can help you set up receiving payments by ACH okay which is automated clearing house and okay. it is uh, what people often will refer to as an automated check or online check and so all you need is people put in the transit numbers from the bottom of their check and then the money is credited to your account virtually instantly. Okay. And that is 
the most common way that you could accept those payments and there's no cost to you. Okay. Now, I'll tell you, a lot of other people with small businesses use PayPal. Right. And I've, I've looked at PayPal, and the problem with them is that my um, I'm paid in larger checks. And so for each transaction, it might be like 50 to $150 of fees that they take, which is... Now, that's you know, if somebody pays you by credit card. <laughs> well, actually, I don't, I, maybe I'm doing something wrong with PayPal then because, um, I, I, you know, I, I checked the goods and services and I send out a link, the paypal.me link, and, um, and it, it took out the 3% fee. 3%, um, which is what you'd pay mm-hmm. if you were taking a credit card from somebody. So I'm surprised by that. Um, yeah. I may just have it. I mean, I, I, there may be a way around it. I've looked at several different things. I know there's PayPal business payments, but you have to have, um, like, an account with a Harvest um, accounting software or one of their partners, and they don't necessarily advertise who those partners are. Well, I'll tell you, as, as an alternative, the ACH would certainly... Um, would certainly be the easiest way for you to do it. But in the case of sending money, let me see here. No fees, send money to family and friends. Fee to send money is a personal payment using a credit card. Receiving money. So I don't see the fee thing you were talking about for receiving payments that are non-credit card as a business. Maybe I'm just missing something on the PayPal site. But uh, forgetting PayPal, doing the ACH would avoid the fees. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds great. And that just involves me getting together with my bank, and it doesn't really matter what bank it is. Right. Okay. Makes no difference. But okay. I'm, I'm still thinking you're dealing with people across state lines, uh-huh. Their transaction sizes are quite large. Mm-hmm. Are there deals you would be more likely to make if you allowed people to pay those deposits by credit card? Um, that has not tra- traditionally been a barrier, um, and I don't know if it's just then. Don't spend the... that money. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, that's I mean, where ACH ACH would be the best. I I think so. Yeah, yeah. So do you have, have at the bank you do business with, do you have uh, a representative appointed to you? Um, Yes, more or less. I have a specific... um, And how sharp do they seem? um, (laughs) Not very. (laughs) Are you dealing with a a small local bank or are you dealing with a giant monster mega bank? It's regional. Okay. Okay. If you can't find somebody knowledgeable there, this may be an incentive time for you to look at going to a smaller, really business-oriented bank that's just a branch or two. Okay. And the question you're asking is one that should be easy and automatic to, to walk you through and have that done. And I do, there are any of a number of situations where uh, people pay pay my uh, corporation by ACH and it's a simple thing 
and I know I have collected funds when I get the money. And it looks like you are right on the PayPal thing, even if somebody paying you does not use a credit card, which seems very strange to me. I'm going to look into that some more after we finish talking today. Gilbert's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Gilbert. Hi, Clark. How are you today? Great. Thank you, Gilbert. Thank you for your time. My question is, I looked at uh, all the 529 plans you had on your website. I live in Florida, so I don't have any state tax implications. So I was looking at the Utah plan. I want to start a 529 for my granddaughter, who's a year old. And my question is, should I put it in my son's name or put it in my name? Because I'm afraid that if it's in his name, when she goes to goes to searching for scholarships and stuff, that may work against her. Well, the way, um, and this is a moving target, but the way historically it's treated, if the money is in a parent's name, and in, in many colleges, financial aid formula is in a grandparent's name, is that it does not in any major way penalize the child or grandchild in receiving financial aid. On the other hand, uh, parents or grandparents who've made the mistake of putting the owner of a 529 as the child who's going to use the money, then it causes great harm in receiving financial aid from a school. Right. Yeah, so, I, I saw where it said to go ahead and leave her just as a beneficiary and keep it in, in either my name or whatever. I just I was concerned that I know when my daughter went to college, when she when she was searching, they they went so far into my finances, they were looking to see if I'd change left in the couch. Right, right. But with the 529s, there it's pretty standard now and formulaic, so you won't have to worry about that. And the great thing about going in the Utah plan is that they give you two free lift tickets at the ski mountains if you put money in the plan. Just kidding. I wish they did. I was going to say, I don't strap sticks to my feet and jump off the side of a mountain. I live in Florida. I water ski. Oh, man. You are missing so much fun. And water skiing, as you know, has become a lost heart. You know, the uh, people don't really water ski anymore. So. Yeah. So well, you're, I, I you're just, kind of, you're an expert at something that is a skill that used to be so common for people that live near the water, but just not so much anymore. I'm just not a big fan of cold. And oh, by the way, I can't figure out, how do you tell when you fall when you're skiing? Isn't it all falling? Ah, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I am, I am an avid snow skier and I used to be good at it. Now I'm too old to be good at it anymore, but I still love being out there. But the Utah 529 plan, I absolutely love. And it, if you're interested in putting money aside for a kid or grandkid, the flexibility is so phenomenal, and there are so many good plans now. And I have links to the good ones at Clark.com on my 529 plan guide. But there are still some rotten, terrible plans. Stick to the ones I have on my guide. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget. 
giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Richard is with us on the Clark Howard Show. And Richard, you followed advice I gave prior on the show and you went to funerals.org to see ways that you could save money on funerals, burials, and cremations. And you came away from the website more confused than before you went there. Is that true? Well, not really confused, but I'm just wondering what more direct help is available. The first thing that happened is you go to funeral.org as per your advice, which is over the years has always been terrific. Thank you, by the way. Thank you. Uh, It redirects me to another site, which always makes me suspicious when that happens to begin with. I've often found those redirections are not accurate. And you were at funerals.org, right? Right. So when you go to funerals.org, they're a national advocacy group to try to make uh, funerals, burials, and cremations more affordable and to educate people about what your rights are and what choices are out there that you can make that funeral homes are never going to tell you about. And then around the country, there are different affiliates that are that serve specific geographic areas. And they're all over the board in terms of what they do and what services they offer to their members. And so when you get to funerals.org, there's a button where you can find your local affiliate. And that's probably the second website you went to, and it's completely above board. Okay, well, it, it defaults to a Funeral Consumers Alliance, and then it's of Connecticut, of California, yeah, various exactly. regions. Right, and so not everywhere in the country has a nonprofit funeral cooperative and the the most developed of them have negotiated prices for their members like kind of, kind of using group buying power and get you a much cheaper deal on a funeral with burial usually saving you 75 percent and on a cremation funeral with cremation saving 30 to 50 percent by using group buying power that's so, what i was looking for but the uh, site that this defaults to doesn't seem to provide that group Um, And uh, you're in what state? Connecticut. Yeah. So Connecticut, as best I know, doesn't have the group buying power part of it. But what I would do, um, I'm looking, I just clicked on it. You told me Connecticut. There's There's a number you can call to the Connecticut chapter and ask them what they do for their members and see if it's worth your while to join or not. It's uh, typically with these chapters, it's like $25, $30, $40 to join for a lifetime membership. But I'd call first to make sure that the membership is worth it to you in the Connecticut chapter. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast of our show, I'd love it if you'd subscribe. Whatever your favorite podcast app is, we're pretty much there. And whether you love what you hear from me or hate it, take time to write a review. It's how we all learn from each other is from those reviews. 